Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, the righteousness of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, happy Reformation Day, everyone. It's a red-letter day in the church. 504 years ago today, Augustinian monk, monk Martin Luther posted his disputation on the power and efficacy of indulgences, also known as the 95 Theses, on the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany, and in so doing sparked a movement, uh, uh, lit a spark that became a blazing gospel fire began to unleash the too-long-leashed good news that God, our God, is not a God who can be bought off or need be bought off, but who instead sells all, gives his own dear son, Jesus, to redeem you, to purchase and win his ever-beloved you, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death, that you might be his own, not just now, but forever. It's a very good day, (laughs) full of good words and music. Good words combined with good music, which Martin Luther called the most precious of God's gifts. After the service, we'll enjoy some more of our daily bread, good weather, good friends, good food. Maybe even wash it down with an Einbecker beer, the very potable which Luther, when given a mug of the stuff at the 1521 Diet of Worms, the day before his famous Here I Stand speech, praised as der beste Trunk, den Einer kennt, für Einbecker Bier, Ganent. The best drink anyone knows is called Einbecker Bier. So have one after the service, if you're of age, of course. <laughs> it's a good day. And you know, on a day like today, well, you, you think that old Martin, you think he'd be happy to be here. <laughs> but just look at him. This picture of him in the bulletin. Holy cow. Talk about a stink face. Looks like he just caught a whiff of one of young Han's dirty diapers. Or like me when I haven't eaten in, uh, in a while. Just plain grumpy. <laughs> I'm not sure why, why most pictures of Luther are like that. From, from what we know of him, he's a pretty, pretty jolly fella. Like to strum the lyre, roll the bowling ball, home always full of friends, enjoying generous mugs of Einbecker and Frau Braumeister Katie's brews. But for whatever reason, he's usually pictured, <laughs> and this one in the bulletin is after the famous Lucius Cronach portrait. He's pictured as if he's under, under some kind of duress. And maybe he is. In the picture, anyway, under something. (laughs) Yes, Luther and St. Paul before him knew joy and life and light and the freedom that is ours in Jesus, but they also knew the other side of things. When instead of relaxing in Jesus, you are under duress or under the gun or under pressure, under fire, under the heavy hand, under orders, maybe feeling that you owe more than you could possibly be worth underwater. Or in Paul's somewhat synonymous phrase from our epistle lesson for this Reformation Day, under the law. Romans 3.19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. 
Now, there's a lot going on in that reading, in that phrase, and there are voluminous writings upon it and them uh, that if we had more time, we'd get into. But since there's 150 wieners in need of roasting right over there in the kitchen, let me skip a few steps and just stipulate that that little phrase, under the law, at least living under the law, is living the kind of life that leaves you looking like grumpy, sullen Martin does in that bulletin picture. To live under the law is to live within earshot of a demanding voice, shrilling, you're not enough, be more. You're small, be bigger, you're bad, be better, you are dirty, get clean. That's the voice of the law, and we have all heard it. You probably hear it right now in one form or fashion. The voice can be a literal voice from someone actually saying those things, and when they do, it's hard to forget. It can be the voice that arises from some good and holy religious code, like the Ten Commandments. But more often than not, it's the less holy soundtrack constantly running in your head. Or the one you hear when you look at your social media feed or start comparing yourself to those around you. But wherever the voice comes from, the reason Paul can speak of living under the law, living under that voice, is because it's kind of just always there. It's the water we swim in. Maybe you know the, the scene from Seinfeld, if, uh, if you watch the show, where, where Newman, you know, he's kind of the, 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 the portly uh, kind of side character. And Jerry and the gang, they're, they're asking Newman, the postal worker, why, why folks like him are always going postal, you know, like losing it. And without missing a beat, Newman says, because the mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let-up. It's relentless. The mail never stops. So the law, the voice is like that, never stops. One of Luther's good friends, Philip Melanchthon, liked to use a phrase that would be part of a Lutheran meme if he said it today, lex semper accusat. The law is always accusing If you happen to know a bit of Luther's story, you know that he heard that accusing voice a whole bunch, um, mostly in the monastery, in the form of a bunch of commandments and church laws that he knew he could never live up to as hard as he tried. Never enough. But you don't have to grow up in a monastery to be familiar with the shrill voice of the law. You can just go to school. The, The school you have to go to, compulsory education. Horrible phrase, by the way. And have to perform and start performing at about, well, age three. Because sooner or later, it's going to go on your permanent record, which will eventually get you into college, which will eventually get you the job that is supposed to stamp you approved by society. Or you can just get married. Marriages are too often megaphones for the law. This is supposed to be a 50-50 thing, darn it. And you're pulling 47% at best. And I know it's only 47 because I've been keeping track for the last 38 years. Or just be part of a family. Do you know how much we've done for you? And again, these things are often left unsaid, but they're still said, if you know what I mean. Do you know how much we've done for you? You know how many kids would would basically kill to be a part of this family? And look at the way you repay us. 
Or heck, if none of those places you think just come to church, even the church can become an echo chamber for the voice of the law. All those years sitting in the pew, going through those motions. I mean, how many Reformation services have you all been to? How many have you preached? Sure doesn't seem to be helping. Is it about time you started walking the walk and talking the talk? No matter how successful you are in responding to the voice, living up to its demand, it's never really enough. The mail never stops. Keeps accusing. Get two or three A's in a row, you'll be branded an A student, which means the law. You shall never, ever, thou shalt not get a B. Mark Spitz won seven gold medals in 1972, and before his his seventh uh, swimming race, he said that year, if I swim six and win six, I'll be a hero. If I swim seven and win six, I'll be a failure. There's always another day, which means there's always another chance to fail. That's under the law. And a risk of piling on, but like I said, the law never really stops. Here's one more, and it's like acoustic cancer too, this voice of the law. Just when you think it's in remission, (laughs) the volume on some failure you've almost forgotten gets cranked up again. The relationship you blew in 1989, you are such an idiot, and that ruined your life. The test you bombed in the sixth grade, dunce, still are. Presentation you blew in the Carter administration, loser, you'll never recover. That article about Spitz um, also mentions another um, Olympian, a guy named Abel Kiviat, American 1500 meters racer, uh, raced at the 1912 Olympics. He's going to win until eight meters, eight meters before the end of this long race. He was um, overcome um, by another runner and, and took second. And he said, I wake up sometimes and say, what the heck happened to me? And he said that when he was 91 years old. (laughs) 70 years removed from the failure. Acoustic cancer springing from remission. That is life under the law. You know the voice? The law never stops. The mail never stops. Stops. Lex Sempar accuses. But now, but finally, but now apart from the law, apart from that accusing voice, a righteousness has been made known. That is a refreshing you are enoughness, a relaxing everything will be okay no matter whatness has been made yours. The righteousness of God that you can't mess up because it's not about what you do or don't do, but what about what faithful Jesus has done and as surely as he has risen from the dead cannot be undone. (laughs) You know, the more I thought about this this grumpy picture of Luther, I figured out why he looked so sad and stink-faced. It's because he's looking the wrong way. It's because he's looking out, looking out at all the places where those voices come from. You're not enough. You're small. You're bad. You're dirty. You're a sinner. Martin, turn around. Look what's behind you in the picture even. People of God, turn around. Turn away from those accusing voices and look at Jesus. See how you are loved. See him there dying for you. See how precious you are. If you've ever seen one of those 
movie scenes, probably from a, a romantic comedy of some sort. I can't think of an actual scene. I wish I could. I always do this. I know the movie's out there, but can't think of the actual scene and, and make it a better sermon, but just go with me. Or maybe you know the scene. It's a romantic comedy. And, and it's the point in the movie when the guy turns and sees the, the beautiful woman, his beloved, for the, for the first time. And in the movie, a couple things happen, right? First, all the busyness going on around him. Maybe he's like in an office or on the street or in the mall or something. Everything's crazy and loud and noisy. And the first thing that happens is all the edges kind of blur. All those other those people kind of blur out so you only see the guy and his beloved. And then the other thing that happens, because soundtracks are so important in movies, is that all the exterior noise stops. In fact, sometimes the soundtrack completely goes silent, which is a very powerful effect in a movie because it almost never happens. There's almost always sound going on. Everything else is blurred out and all the other noises are canceled. All the voices muted. Because the guy sees this beloved this beauty whom he cannot believe actually loves him. That's you seeing Jesus, friends. It's how the gospel worked. Yes, the law is always accusing. The mail never stops. But when you turn to Jesus, cancel that. When the Holy Spirit turns you to Jesus, which he is doing right now, the mail stops. All those voices, all that noise, Especially that soundtrack in your head. It goes silence. <laughs> like the movie, but this time it's not just a movie, it's true. It's like noise-canceling headphones. They go silence and you can hear the new voice. The voice of your beloved friend, come and rest. The voice of your generous host, take and eat. The la- la- voice like living waters. You are forgiven, you are beautiful, you are enough, you are clean, you are forever mine. It's a good day, (laughs) this Reformation Day. It is good, right, and salutary that we should celebrate it with good words and good music and good food and good drink and good friends. Smile, Brother Martin, and you too, beloved child of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.